Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is episode 666 of Strong Opinion Sports. I said that backwards. Usually I say... This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 466. Welcome in. Hope we're doing very, very well today. Uh, let's start with the breaking news today. Quarterback Carson Wentz has been traded from the Indianapolis Colts to the Washington. It's going to get, it's weird to say still a little bit. I'm not used to the new name. The Washington Commanders. The new quarterback of the Washington Commanders is Carson Wentz. And before I say anything else, let me just say this. Commander Carson actually has kind of a nice ring to it. I like how that sounds. Uh, Here are the reported trade details. The Colts get a 2022 second-round pick, a 2022 third-round pick, and a 2023 third-round pick that can become a second-round pick next year if Carson plays 70% of the snaps in Washington next year. Now, Washington not only gets quarterback Carson Wentz, they also get a 2022 second-round pick. So basically... You know, they swapped second-round picks. The Colts gave up uh, – sorry, the Colts got a third-round pick for Carson Wentz and then maybe a third-round pick next year depending on what happens. So pretty low trade value as far as um, you know, certainly a lot cheaper than a first-round pick. It's kind of a weird trade because – so it's, it's basically they swapped second-round picks. You got a third-round pick for Carson and maybe a second-round pick if Carson is a starting quarterback all year next year for Washington. It's a weird trade because there isn't a clear winner yet in my mind, and I'm going back and forth as I've been thinking about this, sitting about this, and kind of preparing for today's episode, and I mean, I've been burned in the past by Carson Wentz. I really thought it was going to work well last year. Going to Indy, he got to reunite with Frank Reich. It's a really good football team. I thought last year the Colts were going to be a home run with Carson Wentz, and I got burned badly, and it's really hard for me to have confidence in Carson Wentz. I mean, he was on a loaded roster last year in Indy, and it didn't work. So I don't know how he's going to go to Washington and do better than he did last year. I, you know, so it feels like not only, it's not a great trade for Carson. Um, and I, I mean, it feels a little bit desperate from Washington. Now, they are justifiably desperate. It's been year after year after year of not really having a franchise quarterback. You know, Dwayne Haskins didn't work. Taylor Henneke, Ryan Fitzpatrick. They've tried everything. They've been throwing darts at a wall forever, trying to find a franchise quarterback. Alex Smith was briefly there. He even came back after getting injured. I mean, Washington is deservedly desperate, and they're making any move they can, hoping Carson Wentz can be the guy they need him to be. Now, for the Colts, they don't have a quarterback at all. And I I guess they're they're better off. I don't. It's hard for me to think right now without understanding what the Colts' plan at quarterback is to be like, yeah, the Colts are great. They don't need a quarterback. Like, I don't really understand what the Colts are doing. And is Tom Brady coming out of retirement? Is Andrew Luck coming back and we don't know about it? Like, what is the Colts' plan at quarterback? And that's a question that will be answered on another day. But I don't know uh, what their plan is and how they get closer to a Super Bowl with this move. We'll see. I mean, it seems like the plan in Indianapolis was we want anything but Carson Wentz to be our quarterback next year. Now they're just trying to figure out what's next. And I, I hope they have a plan because I don't know what it is. I I really have legitimately no idea. Now, if you go a little bit deeper and think about Washington, 
You could argue that Carson is not only cheaper than drafting a quarterback in the first round. He's probably better, at least uh, immediately next year. We'll see where a guy like Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, we'll see how they develop and what they develop into. But um, uh, face value, like if if it was Madden, Carson is a lot more talented than than the quarterbacks in this first round draft class and also probably going to play better immediately week one next year. So if Washington wants to win next year, this might be the right option. And again, they didn't have to use a first round pick to get a quarterback. They still have their number 11 overall pick. So in theory, in theory, we'll see if it plays out very well, but in theory, it's a good idea. And they can use that number 11 pick Washington can to continue to build their roster they had a lot of injuries last year. I think they could be a lot better next year than they were this year. They went 7-10. and 10. Um, You know, they lost. Remember, Chase Young, the defensive end, got hurt. They lost Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas. I mean, they have a couple of receiving weapons. I like Terry McLaurin is a stud receiver. Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas at tight end. I'm very, very excited to see Carson Wentz play with Terry McLaurin. It's, he's arguably the best receiver he's played with in his career. Um, now, there is no way to sugarcoat it. Carson Wentz has not done much recently. He's not got it done at all. And he's been traded in back-to-back off-seasons, which is not very confidence-inspiring. His trade value keeps going down and down, and he hasn't really had a great year since 2017, which, I don't know if you know this, it's 2022 now. It's been five years since Carson had a great year. Like, not seasons, but years, and he... I don't know. You could argue Carson Wentz is a one-hit wonder who had a almost MVP-level season one time and then got hurt. His team won a Super Bowl without him, which shows how great they really were as a football team that year. And I'm really left with a bunch of questions. Is Carson really better than drafting a rookie quarterback? I think probably. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to look at this and feel like Washington didn't at least upgrade at quarterback and... It was either Taylor Heineke or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like I'm, I'm sorry to those guys, no offense, but Carson at least is better than them. But will Carson play well in Washington? That's a huge question mark, and I, I, I can't tell you that. I'm not a, what's the word for, like, I'm not a, I don't know, the word for someone. Like, I don't have a crystal ball and predict the future, but um, I, I really, I hope it goes well. I want him to do well in Washington. And my other question lingering here still is, what in the world? is the Indianapolis Colts plan at quarterback. I just don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Is Jimmy Garoppolo their plan? Are they going to – who's available you could even trade for? I guess they're going to draft a quarterback. I really don't know what they're going to do. And I, I, if I'm a Colts fan, I'm like, I guess I'm happy we got rid of Carson Wentz, but now what? Now, now what are we going to do? We All we did all offseason so far is talk about how much we hate Carson. We got, got to get rid of Carson. Well, you got rid of Carson – now what are you going to do? I, I, I really don't know. Uh, now, one fun thing here is that Carson Wentz is going back to his old division, the NFC East. He's going to get to play his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles, two times every year as long as he's in Washington. At least next year, he got two games against them. Uh, he will also, by the way, guess who's on Washington's schedule next year? They play on the road at the Indianapolis Colts. So those are three games now. Three, I'm trying to hold up three fingers. Three games I cannot wait to watch. Carson against his, both of his former teams, against the Eagles twice, against the Colts once, on the road at Indy. And I guess we'll see how it goes because I'm, I'm really rooting for Carson. He's got a lot of talent. Like, he's very clearly a very capable quarterback who's got a huge arm, a big frame. He can run. And 
look, Washington desperately needs a quarterback. They've been waiting and waiting, trying everything, and I hope it works, but it's hard to have a lot of confidence in Carson after he had back-to-back ugly years, and we'll see how it works out. But uh, all in all, I, I'm tr- I tried to explain it. I didn't explain it very well. They, they traded second-round picks, so Washington got rid of the second-round pick but got the Colts' second-round pick back. So what did they really give up for Carson Wentz? They gave up a third-round pick and maybe a second-round pick next year, second- or third-round pick next year if Carson plays a whole year. That's pretty cheap if he becomes your franchise quarterback. And so I don't know that there's a lot of risk here for Washington because it's better than what they had. It's a relatively low price to get Carson. And uh, I, I frankly, like, I just think it's – the more I think about it that way, the value they got with the potential that it could be, it could be fantastic. It could be a great move. And if Carson does become the franchise quarterback they need in Washington – I think that'll be really painful to watch in Indianapolis, his former team, because they gave up on him after one year. They didn't get much for him, and I don't know what the Colts' plan is at quarterback. So maybe the more I think about it, I'm kind of convincing myself and talking myself into, well, Washington got the quarterback, and they upgraded at quarterback. He's probably better than a rookie quarterback. They have a quarterback, and Indy does not, so... Maybe Washington won the trade. Like, the more I think about it, the more I go, yeah, it's, it's a good move for Washington. And uh, I am very, very excited to see how things work out next year for Carson Wentz as the new Washington Commanders quarterback, Commander Carson. All right, guys. Um, gosh, I heard it. I don't know if you heard that. It was a big noise outside. I'm going to go check out what that was. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Uh, that was a much longer break than I meant to take. Um, I want to share maybe some trauma that I just experienced. I think you guys should be in on what happened to me. I was watching a podcast called Sivo's Wild Ride. Great podcast. They were interviewing Aaron Carter, who's the younger brother of Nick Carter, a former singer. By the way, this is not sports related. It's just a good way to get back into talking because I got like an hour and a half, probably more of talking to go. Um, and in the comments, so first of all, Aaron Carter on Sivo's Wild Ride is making a bunch of like crazy weird um comments that were like kind of delusional and kind of just like contradicting himself and it was very weird and in the comments of that video there was a recommended title for youtube video called aaron carter being a lunatic and holy moly if you want to spiral into depression i feel like i just did uh watch that video actually don't watch that video don't look it up i'm i don't know why i'm telling you this actually it's terrible advice because i i literally almost ruined my day I could only watch three minutes of the 10-minute video. I got to three minutes and 45 seconds, literally, I think. And it felt, by the way, like two hours. It was so long of him. It it was really sad. It it just, there was so much delusion, and he was fronting and contradicting himself. And Aaron Carter was just, I think, really trying to impress people. And, oh my gosh, I, if you want to... I, I, maybe you should just to like maybe understand. I don't know. Maybe don't look it up. I, I have no idea what. I'm not really recommending this. I guess, but you'll probably will because you'll be curious. Aaron Carter being a lunatic. Look it up on YouTube. It's a weird watch. It's just not encouraging. It, it really. I'm not kidding. It almost ruined my day. It was one of the most depressing things I've seen in a long time. And uh, I, uh, the guy needs help. I, I don't know. It makes me want to be super careful to like never brag about anything ever again. I don't ever want to sound like Aaron Carter. Oh my gosh, the delusion and the the clear like 
trying to impress other people. It's it's bad. Uh, let's talk about sports. Um, after Russell Wilson got traded to the Denver Broncos, a common question has been, what happened between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? Like, what happened there? What happened to that relationship? Did it fall apart? Do I mean, and, and a common question is, do Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson hate each other? And here is how I see it. This is the story I tell myself. I don't have any sources here. This is just how I like to think of it because it makes me feel good about the, the relationship. And if you want to believe what I'm about to say, it might make you feel good too. I do not believe that Russ and Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll hate each other. Um, their relationship came to an end, but in fact, you could argue that their breakup was rooted in mutual respect. There was no bad words. There was no public shaming. There was nothing really negative between the two. There are rumors for like a year and a half, maybe, that maybe Russ wants out, maybe this, maybe that. But uh, we never got anything public where one of them said anything bad about the other. And I believe that Russ wanted to win. So he was very happy to be traded away to the Denver Broncos. Pete Carroll knew that Seattle wasn't good enough, even with Russ on their team, to win. And they realized, oh, man, like we got to rebuild. So they used their most valuable asset to try and set themselves up for the future. Got a couple first-round picks, got some second-round picks, got some players. Um, and they actually sent Russ to a good spot where he could win. If anything, the guy who benefited most from that trade, Russell Wilson, benefited way more than Seattle did. They kind of did him a solid. It reminds me a little bit of Matthew Stafford being sent to the Rams. Like, Detroit said, hey, we respect you. We're going to send you somewhere good. And Russell Wilson had a no-trade clause. Like, if they tried to trade him to Washington and he didn't want to go be the commander's quarterback, he could have said no. So he had to, they had to trade him somewhere where he actually wanted to go. But um, I, Seattle, like, didn't really win the trade. Russell Wilson ends up way better than Seattle did. But you have to acknowledge Seattle won as much as you possibly can when, I mean, maybe they could have got another first-round pick. I mean, that could have been a bigger haul, I guess. You can argue that. That's fine. I don't really care about that debate. But Seattle did about as good as you can when you trade away a Hall of Fame quarterback, which is never a good scenario. Like, you never win when you trade away a guy like Russell Wilson, who is the the guy who <laughs> vitalized your franchise and won you a Super Bowl and is a legendary, in my opinion, Hall of Fame quarterback already. What he's done is unprecedented. I think a lot of people don't appreciate how truly great he is. Um, but what happens when you trade away Russell Wilson and got what you got for him is that you – Give yourself an opportunity to rebuild and put together a winning team. Now, you got to land. You have a bunch of draft picks now. They still have to get those draft picks right. Like, you can't just bomb and miss on a bunch of picks. Then you will fail. But they have an opportunity here to do well. And I just, at the core of this, I do not believe that anyone hated anyone. I don't think Russ and Pete Carroll hate each other. But the relationship came to a natural end. It was time to move on for both of them. But I encourage you, go watch Russ and Pete Carroll interacting on the sideline last year. They liked each other. There was mutual respect there. They enjoyed winning together. They, they clearly, I don't know how you watch the, the way they interacted. Watch them celebrate after a victory together. You cannot convince me they hated each other. I, I just don't buy that. I didn't see that at all when I watched Seattle and the way they interacted and um, I think <laughs> you can argue Seattle did the most respectful thing for Russ, which was trade him away. And if you're a Seahawks fan, 
you cannot have anything but love and appreciation for Russell Wilson. What was Seattle before Russell Wilson got there? They would have been a good team with a good defense and no quarterback. How many times have we seen a team with a really good defense not win a Super Bowl? Not go very far, right? Sorry, I, I, don't, I, I think this is not a, a, a controversial take. Russ put Seattle on the map. Like They won a lot of games because of him. And then for years, I feel like they didn't really properly support him. So I'm sure he was eager to go somewhere with good receivers and a better offensive line and a really good defense again. Um, so if you're a Seahawks fan, you can't be angry at Russ at all. He, he really, I think, resurrected and put your franchise on the map. And then I, I just don't buy any narrative that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson hated each other. I'm sure, like, you spend years and years together, you're probably not as infatuated with each other as you are early on. But those guys didn't hate each other. Go watch them talk to each other and interact on the sideline. There's a lot of mutual respect there. And I think you can argue, again, that their breakup was rooted in a mutual respect where, you know, Seattle, I I go back, man, they really did Russ a solid sending him to Denver. Now, he had to approve of the trade. He tried to send him somewhere terrible. He would have just said, no, I'm not going there. But, um I don't know. I think, you know, Russell Wilson definitely won. And Seattle, again, you never win when you trade away a guy like Russell Wilson. But they have an opportunity if they get some draft picks right to put themselves in a better position to win than they would have been otherwise. So I don't know. We'll see. I I hope Seattle can, you know, land those picks and do well with them. But um, they're notoriously terrible for at drafting first rounders. So I don't know. Uh, By the way, Mitchell Trubisky is going to sign a big contract somewhere. I'm giving you a heads up now. He's a former number two overall pick. Uh, After last year, most people blame his failure in Chicago on former Bears head coach Matt Nagy. We saw the Bears without Mitchell Trubisky, and we learned, oh, it it was Matt Nagy isn't very good either. So was Trubisky good or not? I don't know. I always argued no. I thought he had a lot of missed opportunities, but it could have been coaching. There wasn't a lot of pieces around him, even with, you know, a bad coach and not a lot of talent around him. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky, frankly, is that talented. He's not a very, he's a solid athlete. He can run a little bit. He doesn't have a massive arm. I thought he, it's pretty laughable that he was the number two overall pick, in my opinion. Uh, But I also have an open mind. Hey, Mitchell Trubisky, change my mind. Go to New York, beat out Daniel Jones, become a franchise quarterback they're like I'm rooting for Mitchell Trubisky to do well somewhere I don't know that he will but I would love to see that happen because he seems like a good dude who is very likable and um I mean people in Buffalo loved him they loved coaching him they liked working with him and in a world where at one point Mike Glennon remember Mike Glennon he signed actually in Chicago a 45 million dollar contract so if a guy like Mike Glennon can get a massive amount of money as an NFL quarterback, then you know somebody desperate is going to sign Trubisky and give him a lot of money as well. So do not be shocked when it happens. I'm giving you a heads up now so that when it does happen in a week or so, whenever the, the new, I guess March 16th is when the new NFL season begins and free agency will open up. Um, I'm trying to prepare, I'm trying to prepare you now so that when it happens, you're not shocked. I don't want to hear people go, I can't believe Mitchell Trubisky got a massive contract. Oh my goodness. No, no, no. Expect it. It's going to happen. And uh, that is very much coming. It's on the horizon and Trubisky will undoubtedly sign a massive contract somewhere to be a potential franchise quarterback because that's what happens. People overpay for quarterbacks. And uh, again, if in a world where Mike Glennon got a massive contract, 
you bet your bippy. <laughs> a guy who was a number two overall pick who now is blameless uh, in the failure in Chicago because people look at Nagy and blame him. So uh, just prepare yourself. Mitchell Drace is going to get a huge contract. The MVP will reign supreme, hopefully, again. And I'm actually I'm rooting for the guy. I've, I've been very critical of Trubisky over the years. I think he deserved it. Um, I think I was a little bit too harsh. I regret the times that I was – I came down on the guy in an almost vicious, angry way, and I feel really guilty about that. I can't go back and change my words. Uh, he did play bad at times. I was – I try to be honest about it. Um, but I'm, I'm very willing to give Trubisky another shot and – I like giving people second chances. I would love to see him do well, and we'll see what happens. All right. Um, I predicted that the Green Bay Packers would go 12-5 and five last year. I had them winning their division, the NFC North. I was very, very confident in the Green Bay Packers. Now, the reality is they finished with an even better record than I expected. They went 13-4. and four. I had them at 12-5. and five. They went 13-4. and four. They did win their division. They were the number one seed in the NFC. And I started my prediction, I think it, in August or September, whenever that topic came out, by praising the Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I thought it would be his final year in Green Bay. And I was actually really impressed with his restraint because I viewed Aaron as a disgruntled employee, and I thought he was making the best of a situation that was pretty tough. And I said, why do Aaron and the general manager need to be best friends? They have a professional relationship. They don't need to be buddy-buddy. And now we've actually learned since the year ended, Aaron is, in fact, going to stay in Green Bay next year. So uh, it's probably actually even better than we thought. I got – we really – the media says a lot of stuff about Aaron Rodgers. I've been part of that too. I I feel guilty about that. Um, But the reality is I think almost nobody really knows what's going on in Aaron's head. You hear a lot of reports. You hear – I'm getting so tired of sources say blah, blah, blah. And then it's actually no information. Like, what? Like, people literally were like, sources say Aaron hasn't made up his mind yet. I'm like, let's know new information. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Or they're like, sources say Aaron's either going to stay or leave. It's like, yeah, that's the options. I don't know. Um, now, this past year during the 2021 season, Aaron Rodgers won the NFL MVP for the second year in a row, which is a massive accomplishment. He threw 37 touchdown passes, four interceptions, had 4,115 yards passing with a 68.9% completion percentage. Is percent completion percentage bad English? Probably. I'm always going to say it that way, though. I feel most comfortable saying it that way. Look, Aaron was amazing. He was an incredible quarterback. Uh, Star receiver Devontae Adams had a great year as well. He had 123 catches for... 1,553 yards and 11 touchdown catches. And I also thought Green Bay nailed their first two draft picks. They got two new starters. They drafted corner Eric Stokes in the first round. He had a pretty solid year. Uh, He got better as things went on. He became a starter. He seems to have a bright future for a guy to be a number 29 overall pick, a late first round draft pick, and become a starter and maybe your best corner. That's a pretty great pick if you ask me. So Eric Stokes, hey, Gutekunst, you may not like the GM. They might have problems there in Rodgers, but he's actually drafted pretty well last year. Uh, They also drafted center Josh Myers in the second round. He solidified himself as a starting center, uh, a good one at that. He got better as well as the year went on. And look, the Packers had a great year last year. They went 13-4. and First in the NFC. Quarterback won the MVP. They got a bye in the playoffs. They drafted well. And 
despite all of the things that went well for Green Bay last year, there's a whole like list of them on paper. Just like, wow, things went great for the Packers. The reality is it sort of feels like a failed season. And I know Packers fans are like, let's fight, Zach. They're up in arms. They're angry. I said that. Um, but this is a team that in 2019 and 2020, back-to-back years, they went to the NFC title game. They were a game away from the Super Bowl. So in 2021, for Green Bay, there were Super Bowl expectations. It was frankly Super Bowl or bust. And the way the year ended was really, really painful. They lost at home in the divisional round of the playoffs, 13-10. to 10. They had the ball twice in the final five minutes of the game. First, they gave up a lot. Uh, first, they gave up a blocked punt that gave the 49ers a touchdown to tie the game 10 to 10 with less than five minutes left. That cannot happen. That's such a massive special teams error. And then with three minutes and 30 seconds left or less than that, they could not get a drive going. The 49ers did. Uh, the 49ers put together the game winning field goal drive to win 13 to 10. The Packers had the ball twice in the final five minutes, couldn't score. In fact, gave up a touchdown on special teams. It's terrible. It's embarrassing. And I think at the time I blamed Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I, I mean, look, you got the NFL MVP, arguably the best quarterback in the game. You had the ball at the end. You would think that guy puts together a drive. He did not. But let's be clear about it. It was also a full team win. Like the defense couldn't stop the 49ers from putting together a field goal drive. The special teams gave up a touchdown. Aaron didn't put together a drive. The whole team lost, and it was horrible and awful. And what's really horrible is maybe the Packers' biggest weakness of their team last year was their special teams, and it appeared to really, really cost them. Now, after the year, I thought Green Bay did a great job addressing and trying to solve their number one problem. They hired Rich Basaccia to be their new special teams coordinator. He led the Raiders last year to the playoffs as an interim head coach, meaning that he started the year as a special teams coordinator. John Gruden got fired. Uh, two of their players got kicked off the team. A lot of stuff happened off the field for the Raiders. He still found a way to get that team to a playoff game. And uh, I thought he did an amazing job as an interim head coach of the Raiders. He's a very, very high quality coach who is going to be an amazing special teams coordinator for the Raider for, excuse me, the Packers. They had an amazing special teams last year in Las Vegas with the Raiders. And I think hiring Rich Basaccia as their special teams coordinator in Green Bay is a really great, really underrated hire where it's them directly solving a massive problem on their team. And hopefully he, he makes big changes there and it will not be a weakness like it was last year. And look, it's really sad this team fell short of a Super Bowl because we do not know how many years they're going to have Aaron Rodgers. Like, we just do not know how many years we have left or the Packers have left with Aaron Rodgers. And it feels like every year they do not win a Super Bowl with him. It feels like a massive missed opportunity. So despite how many things went well for the Packers, they had a good year. You know, 13-4, and won their division, first in the NFC to get bounced out of the playoffs in a home game in the divisional round, it feels like a failed season to me. Like, you, you can't have – you're just running out of time with Aaron Rodgers. We don't know how much time you have left. And when you have a good team, arguably the best quarterback in the game, it's Super Bowl or bust. And for the Packers, when it comes to that, last year, it was a bust. All right, we're doing predictions versus reality. I forgot to introduce it. I, I don't know. I, I was halfway through the Packers topic, and I'm like, I didn't really say 
We're now transitioning into predictions versus reality. You probably figured it out by now. Um, let's talk about the Colts next. My, my pen. I keep landing my. I keep putting my my water right on top of my pen, which is terrifying me because earlier I was working at my desk and I my clumsy hands. I knocked my water over, got water all over my computer, all over all my papers. I it was horrible. I actually had, I had like pieces of paper hanging on a clothesline with like you know the the pins in it to dry them out. It was ridiculous. Um, I predicted that the Indianapolis Colts would go eleven and six last year in twenty twenty one. I thought they were a playoff team building toward an eventual Super Bowl appearance down the road. Maybe if things had gone well, last year they make the playoffs. Next year they make a Super Bowl you know, run. Because during last offseason, they made a really big move and traded for quarterback Carson Wentz. And I wholeheartedly believed that Carson Wentz was going to be a home run. I thought, hey, the Rams traded for Matthew Stafford. They got their quarterback. The Colts traded for Carson Wentz. They got their guy. These two guys are going to make a massive impact on their new teams. And look, Matthew Stafford did. Carson Wentz did not. Uh, Now, Carson was reuniting with Frank Reich, his former offensive coordinator in 2017, when Carson had his best year in the NFL. Now, um... The reality is I got it totally wrong. Indy did not make the playoffs, and Carson did not work with Indy. After just one year, the Colts traded Carson Wentz away to the Washington Commanders. We now have Commander Carson. Fun nickname. We'll see how he does. Uh, And by the way, the Colts have had four different starting quarterbacks in the last four years. Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz. And now they're going to have their fifth quarterback in five years It's brutal. I don't know. Like, I have a hard time feeling like the Colts did the right thing getting rid of Phillip Rivers because, or (laughs) Phillip Rivers, uh, Carson Wentz, excuse me, because look, yeah, you got rid of a guy you were frustrated with, but now you have no quarterback. You also have no first round pick. I don't know what their plan is. And it's, people are celebrating, yeah, we got rid of Carson, but like, do you have a plan? Are you really better off? Like, are you going to win more games next year without Carson? Like, is Sam Ellinger going to play quarterback for you? I, I really don't know what they're going to do. I, I, it blows my mind the celebrations we're seeing from Colts fans as if Carson was the worst thing to ever walk the face of the earth. Like, I thought early on in the year he was maybe the best player on the Colts. He, he fell apart at the end. and um, Statistically, Carson was not horrible. He had a 62.4% completion percentage. He threw for 3,563 yards, 27 touchdown passes, seven interceptions. Here is the number one failing, though, for Carson Wentz. Here is the reason why apparently the Colts were fed up with him and wanted to get rid of him. Apparently, he wasn't that great of a leader, and he was unwilling to take tough coaching. He, he just—and by the way, that came from The Athletic, which is, in my opinion, the best sports journalists in the world, and— uh, sports media, there's not a lot of sports journalism that goes on. There's a lot of sports media, people like me who talk. I'm not a journalist. I talk and I share my opinion. Journalism is a different beast altogether. And the athletic are the best sports journalists in the world. I really, really heavily respect them. So when they say something, I believe them. They report that uh, Carson wasn't a great leader. They were kind of frustrated with his, I mean, they made it sound like he was, To me, when I read the article from The Athletic, it sounded like Carson was fragile, uncoachable. He took way too many bad risks with the football that they were frustrated with. 
And I just, I really respect the old school quality journalism from The Athletic. I believe them when they say that. Because otherwise, like Carson on paper had a good year. Not amazing. He definitely fell off at the end. Uh, but if he was a bad leader, I can understand how the owner, Jim Ursay would be frustrated with that and say, I'm, I'm just not putting up with this anymore. And it did seem a little bit emotional. It felt like Jim Ursay just gave up on Carson and said, I don't. Chris Ballard, my GM, I don't care what, I want this guy off my team. It felt like something went on with the owner and he's lost faith in the quarterback and said, I refuse to pay this guy this amount of money. I don't want him on my team anymore. Now, the most damaging reality for Carson Wentz was that the in the final game of the year, week 18, on the road at Jacksonville, by the way, Jacksonville, the team with the worst record in the NFL, they have the number one overall pick in this year's NFL draft. Like, they were horrible. It's the biggest game of the year for the Colts playing against the worst team in the NFL. If you win the game, Indy gets into the playoffs. And all you got to do is beat this bad team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Carson Wentz did not lead the charge the way you would expect your franchise quarterback making a ton of money to do. When you make a big trade for this guy, you expect him to deliver in that big moment at the end of the year against, again, a bad football team. And in fact, Carson had... A fumble and an interception. Two turnovers that both led to Jaguars points. He handed the Jaguars 10 points. So in the biggest game of the year, Carson did not deliver. Everyone was unimpressed. And so they lost week 18 at Jacksonville, 26 to 11. The Colts went 9 and 8. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers went 9, 7, and 1. So the Colts finished the number 8 seed in the AFC. The top 7 teams make it into the playoffs. Pittsburgh got in. The Colts did not. How painful is that you were one game away? You had to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you make it into the playoffs. Carson didn't show up. They lost the game on the road. Meanwhile, all the Jaguars fans were literally wearing clown outfits. I can imagine a passionate, emotional owner like Jim Irsay of the Colts was like, I, I, I'm so done. I'm sure that in that moment, watching Jaguars fans in clown, you know, in clown outfits celebrate his team not making the playoffs, he's like, I am done with this quarterback. I want him out of here. Because they made it clear at the right at the end of the season from that point on, they're like, we are no longer sticking with Carson Wentz. We were at it on this guy. And I do wonder if Carson's failure as a quarterback in Indianapolis, you know, Colts head coach Frank Reich, did it hurt his standing in the building? Because he pounded the table for Carson. This is my guy, he said. And, and now I would imagine owner Jim Ursay and general manager Chris Ballard are probably giving Frank Reich the side eye like, you believed in this guy? He, he was not impressive to us. Like, what did you see in him? And do they, do they lack a little bit of trust now for Frank Reich? Is there any bit of, is there a relationship between those guys damaged because of the failure with Carson? I don't know. Now the Colts had an amazing running game. They had a good defense. Here's what Jonathan Taylor, the Colts running back, did last year. He had he was in the MVP conversation. I thought you could have made a strong argument he should have won the MVP. He ran for 1,811 yards on 332 carries with 18 touchdown runs. Uh, their best receiver, Michael Pittman Jr., had a good year. 88 catches, 1,082 yards, six touchdown catches. I think they could use one more receiver in Indy. I'm not sure if it's possible. Um, I think they freed up a lot of salary cap space by getting rid of Carson. So if they can, can they sign Amari Cooper? That would be amazing. Maybe they sign uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. They need another top receiver, in my opinion, to pair alongside of Michael Pittman Jr. 
And that thought, Juju or Amari Cooper in Indy, really, really excites me. Make an offer. Go get that guy. You want your quarterback to do well, what, get a couple of receivers. You had a good offensive line, a good running game, a good defense. Like, put your quarterback in a position to succeed. Go get a top receiver, Indy. And because they do not have a first-round pick, I would imagine that if they want a surefire impact receiver, it's going to have to be in free agency. They do have a second-round pick after trading away Carson to Washington. They've got the 42nd overall pick in the second round. Uh, Maybe they can get a receiver there. But, like, those two amazing guys out of Ohio State, they're not going to be there. I think Jahan Dotson will be off the board. I don't know. It's it's weird because the Colts need a receiver. They need a quarterback. Uh, but they're they're really only a couple moves away from being potentially a Super Bowl contender. So, I don't know. The Colts' defense is a ton of talent. Bobby Okereke had 132 tackles. Uh, Darius Leonard had eight forced fumbles and four interceptions. Kenny Moore is a stud corner. DeForest Buckner is great. Uh, rookie defensive end Quiddy Pay got better as the year went on. Like, I like what the Colts are doing. I think a couple moves, and they're a great football team because they have a lot of talent. Like, they need, they need a receiver and a quarterback. And then, I mean, there's probably, like, little things I'm not paying attention to here and there, but, like, they're a really good football team. There's a lot of talent there. But they need a quarterback, and I have no idea what the plan is at quarterback for the Colts. I just, I mean, I was dead wrong. I really thought the answer was going to be Carson Wentz. And I'm just really curious. Like, what is their plan? Who will be their quarterback next year? Because you don't have a first-round pick. You got rid of a guy who was not awful. You might have been frustrated with him. But is Carson really worse than having no quarterback at all? I, I, I don't know what they're thinking. Is Andrew Luck coming out of retirement? I have no idea. But I hope the Colts have some kind of plan because right now it appears like they are staring at a black hole at the quarterback position, and they're about to have their fifth guy in five years, which that's not good for any organization. I know Andrew Luck retired. I know you've been scrambling for years trying to find an answer ever since Andrew Luck left. But um, are the Colts anytime soon going to have the same quarterback in back-to-back years? I would love to see that. And uh, it's really weird that a team that is really good and – Needs better quarterback play. Got rid of a guy who I thought was pretty good without appearing to have any kind of plan at all. So either the Colts have a plan we don't know about or they just decided that they don't care about quarterbacks anymore in a quarterback-driven league. I don't know. Are they going to get Trubisky? That I have no idea. We'll see. I'm very, very curious what the Colts are doing at the quarterback position, and uh, I wish them luck. All right, uh, let's talk about Philadelphia. Let me drink some water real quick first. Officially, I predicted that the Philadelphia Eagles would go 3-14 and 14 last year. Uh, yes, I feel the shame. Feel free to uh, dislike this video right away. Give me a massive con- <laughs> all kinds of hate. I'm ready for it. I understand. I put myself in a position to get criticized there. Uh, there were so many things unknown, though, and kind of hanging in the balance that I tried to have an open mind. I did something very, I think, unique and different for my predictions for the Eagles because I broke my normal formula. Usually I have a t- video that I put out on YouTube titled like the Eagles will go 13, uh, three and 14 or whatever. You know, I, I said the Eagles will go blank, whatever their record prediction is. And what I did with the Eagles was totally different. Last year, I, I broke my formula. I put out a topic called, I called it how the Eagles can win more than three games next year. Because I was like, look, I, I feel bad saying they're a terrible football team. There's a lot of stuff that's unknown. Here's what I could be wrong about. I try to lay out a groundwork for what I could have been wrong about. And the reality is, by the way, 
I took a fat L. I was massively wrong about the Philadelphia Eagles. I was dead wrong because they won way more than three games. They went nine and eight. They even made a playoff appearance, which is awesome. I really, I found myself very endeared to the people in Philadelphia as a part of that football team. Uh, One huge thing that went well for Philadelphia was that their rookie head coach, Nick Sirianni, did a fantastic job. I thought his introductory press conference was pretty rough. It was not a great introduction to him as a head coach, but I tried very intentionally to not let that cloud my judgment of him going into 2021. I tried to have an open mind, and he very, very much impressed me. He did a great job last year. And I thought he did a particularly good job with building an offense around Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen is not perfect. I think he's still growing as a passer. He does get better every year I watch him. But I really love that Philly committed to him for this year. And, you know, they, Howie Roseman, the general manager, doubled and tripled down. It's like, no, we are committed to Jalen Hurts. And that's the right move, in my opinion, because he's better than whatever quarterback they could find in the first round of this year's NFL draft or whoever they could find in free agency. And I love the guy. I really, really love Jalen Hurts. He's a great leader. Um, again, I go back to like every year I've watched him from Alabama to Oklahoma to last year to this year, like every year I watch Jalen Hurts, he gets better and better as a quarterback and reading about the failures of Carson Wentz as a leader, their former quarterback, it is no shock at all that Jalen Hurts not only played better on the field, but took his job partially because he's a great leader. I think Philadelphia's locker room is more behind Jalen Hurts and Doug Peterson wanted to believe in him before he got fired. It's like, look. I hate to say it, but Jalen is a better quarterback and a better leader than Carson is. And it's funny that my favorite Jalen Hurts moment from 2021 was actually not anything to do with him playing on the field. It was when a railing broke at Washington Stadium, their horrible, awful stadium there. Uh, in fact, Jalen actually almost got badly hurt. He had to like, his railing fell down and a lot of people fell at his feet, which if that had been like two feet farther over, could have like blown out his knee. It's kind of a scary moment. Um, and Jalen was actually very calm, was very helpful. He diffused what was frankly kind of an alarming situation. He calmed down the fans, gave him a hug, celebrated with him, introduced himself. And I thought it showed a lot about his poise as a person, as a leader, that in a moment of crisis, Jalen Hurts doesn't panic. He doesn't, he just is very, he, he's a, the kind of guy you want in a crisis moment. And I want to read you Jalen Hurts' numbers from last year, because as a passer, he was All right. He had a 61.3% completion percentage. He threw for 3,144 yards, 16 touchdown passes, nine interceptions. But here is what is wild about Jalen Hurts is that he was Philadelphia's leading rusher. He had 139 carries for 784 yards and 10 touchdown runs. Miles Sanders, the Eagles running back, had 137 carries for 754 yards. What that means is Jalen Hurts had two more carries for 30 more yards than the Eagles running back. He was their leading rusher from the quarterback position. That is unbelievable. And I think what that is is a testament to Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni building an offense to get the most out of Jalen Hurts. How can we use the skill set of Jalen Hurts to win football games and put him in a position to do well? He totally did that. It worked very, very well. And I just hope that Jalen Hurts' progression as a passer will continue because I think if he can keep getting better, the future is bright. And certainly, man, he's a really easy guy to like and want to root for. Now, the Eagles have drafted a receiver in the first round of 
back-to-back NFL drafts. They drafted Jalen Rager and then Devontae Smith. Uh, one is great, and unfortunately, one is not. Rookie receiver Devontae Smith led Philadelphia. He was our leading receiver with 64 catches for 916 yards and five touchdown catches. Now, 2020 first-round pick Jalen Rager was not impressive. He had 33 catches for 299 yards and two touchdowns. He was actually really outshined by a guy drafted in the same draft class as him, a 2026th-round pick, Quez Watkins, who, I mean, it's painful. Remember that Philadelphia drafted Jalen Rager (laughs) instead of drafting Justin Jefferson, who is a star standout receiver in Minnesota. It's a painful reality that Jalen Rager, every time he fails— Everyone is reminded that, oh, they could have had Justin Jefferson instead. How frustrating and painful is that? In fact, they're talking about how Philadelphia should draft another receiver this year. That'd be three years in a row drafting a receiver in the first round, partially because Jalen Rager just hasn't been good enough and hasn't got it done. Uh, by the way, uh, Dallas Goddard, their tight end, had a great year as well. He was their second leading receiver. He had 56 catches for 830 yards and four touchdowns. Philadelphia surprised me in so many ways last year. Their left tackle, Jordan Mailata, became a starter before the season started, got a massive contract. Uh, I love him. He's a great, uh, his interviews. Jordan Mailata is such an easy-to-like guy. Uh, Philly's defense did some really good stuff. They were actually a top-10 defense, which I didn't really expect. Um, some of their, their free agent signings did really well in their secondary. Uh, Philadelphia even mostly only lost to good football teams. You know, they lost a total of nine games last year, including their playoff loss to Tampa. Here are the seven good teams that Philadelphia lost to. Kansas City, they lost to the Cowboys twice. They lost to Tampa twice. They lost to the 49ers and the Chargers. That's seven losses to good teams. Those are like kind of honorable losses for a team, the the Philadelphia Eagles, who... I thought wasn't as good as any of those teams. Like, they really, I thought, beat everyone they should have. They lost to teams that I can understand them losing to. And I was very pleasantly surprised with the Eagles during the 2021 season. They got a lot of people in that building that I find myself rooting for. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, Devontae Smith is awesome. I love his attitude, his work ethic. Jordan Mailata, Darius Slay, like... I would love to see Philadelphia build off what they did last year and get even better in 2022. Maybe win their division. That'd be really, really cool. Um, I hope it's the beginning of something because I am rooting for them. They won me over. And I am very happy I was completely wrong about the Philadelphia Eagles in 2021. All right. It is time to end the show. Let me unplug my phone, throw my cord over there. Let's go to some questions from the audience. It is time for my favorite part of the show, Ask Zach. In case you do not know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally does help pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. If you submit a question on Patreon, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is to look at each question with my eyeballs. I picked the top couple to read on the show. And question number one today comes from Brandon. Brandon says, hey, Zach, I was curious, since it's the offseason, what content do you plan to make? I'm sure a lot of Ask Zach's, film analysis, and mock drafts, but I was curious if you're open to suggestions from us fans if we had good suggestions. I think it would be cool if you did a Madden series where you play online head-to-head and maybe live stream for fans to interact 
Love you and your content. Um, yeah, I'd like to do some live streams. I've never done that before, but I could figure it out. I think it'd be kind of fun. Um, I could see myself making a Madden video someday, but probably not playing multi. I don't play multiplayer video games just at all. I just don't do it. I don't even play. If I made a video about Madden, it probably wouldn't be on this channel. It'd be on my personal Zach Shomler YouTube channel. And it'd likely be like a video essay about why I love Madden 11 and why Madden 11 on the PlayStation 3 is my favorite ever Madden game. It's the one I still play. Even though I own newer Madden games, I still go back to Madden 11. Uh, it's the one I play despite owning... I have, I have Madden 17 on my Xbox One, and I don't even touch it. Um, something like that, kind of like a really highly edited video sharing my thoughts and a breakdown of why I love it. Uh, Content-wise, I'm going to do a lot of film analysis videos this offseason, interviews, news coverage, Formula One... Uh, I'm going to finish predictions versus reality, obviously. I've got a great plan for my predictions for next year. I'm going to do a, a two-round prediction series where I'm going to do one early one, kind of get some feedback, listen to people, then do a final round of predictions. So it'll be, I mean, it'll be a long lot of different predictions and fun episodes there, lots of conversations with people. And I think it's just going to be a super fun off-season with lots of content. And I, I love making content during the off-season. I think I actually almost prefer the NFL off-season to the NFL regular season because the news, the drama, the film analysis, it's so much fun. And uh, it's going to be a good one this summer. Okay, Mark writes in, he says, Zach, one of the most frustrating things to me is when terrible teams draft quarterbacks and start them immediately. In my opinion, that's why they remain horrible. What are your thoughts on starting a rookie quarterback? Also, I think people forget that Kyle Trask was a Heisman finalist, and he just sat behind the GOAT for a year. I think he's someone we need to be talking about. Look, man, being a Heisman Trophy finalist does not mean you're a good quarterback. Tim Tebow won the Heisman Trophy. Was he a good NFL quarterback? No, not at all. Um, you want to put your young quarterback in a position to do well. Uh, you learn the most. Trey Lance talked about this recently. You learn the most when you're playing. Uh, but you also want to put a good team around your young quarterback, and situation really matters. Go watch Brett Coleman's most recent video about why quarterbacks drafted in the first round often succeed. It's usually because they're on a good football team with good players around them and a good, stable organization. As for Kyle Trask, again, Heisman Trophy candidate doesn't mean squat in the NFL. Um, and remember, he wasn't even the backup last year in Tampa. Blaine Gabbert was the backup behind Tom Brady. And I frankly got more confidence in Blaine Gabbert than I have in Kyle Trask. Blaine Gabbert is a former first-round pick who played very well when he did play last year. So uh, Kyle Trask, eh. But hey, Blaine Gabbert? Uh, I got an open mind. We'll see what happens. Uh, Nathan writes in and says, Hey, Zach, which quarterbacks are you most excited to do a film analysis for this offseason? Also, which quarterback are you most excited to watch next year? Uh, I'm excited to do college quarterbacks. Can't monetize those videos, but I'm, I'm really just doing it for the passion. I, I can't wait to break down Malik Willis and break down Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral. And I, I do those because it's fun. I want to learn who I think is good and just share with you guys what my opinion is. Um, I think I, I do it for free anyway. Um, Carson Wentz is the guy that I can't wait to. Probably my number one most anticipated film analysis. And I'm personally excited to dive into film and go like, what happened? Was he Was he as bad as people think he was like did he deserve to get traded away like I'm really curious about Carson Wentz I'm curious about Baker Mayfield uh, all the rookie quarterbacks Zach Wilson in particular Trevor Lawrence will be really fun uh, Sam Darnold is an interesting one I like figuring out why quarterbacks did not do well 
doing a film analysis for Aaron Rodgers is kind of just sharing highlights and going, he's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts would be fun. I could see Tom Brady being fun, just kind of one where I'm just appreciating his final year would be kind of a fun film analysis to do. It's going to be a very, very fun summer. A lot of film analysis stuff. I'm going to, like, really work my my tail off and get a lot of film analysis done. That's my, you know, we got predictions versus reality for probably another week. Then we got the draft, which is going to be, I got, uh, I got 11 quarterbacks. Actually, I'm going to try to, it's very ambitious to try to make that many film analysis videos. I'm going to do my best. uh, And then I'm just going to hit film analysis really hard this summer. I really want to make something you guys can watch. There was problems last year with film. We shouldn't have that problem this off season. And I'm very, very excited to dive in and, uh, hopefully make a lot of really exciting, really fun content. Because I, I love doing it, right? I, I, I'm i at the point now where I just, I mostly make content that I like that makes me happy. And I love doing film analysis because I like learning about why or why not a quarterback did well. Okay, final question of the day. Trevor writes in and says, Hey, Zach, with the rumored trade value of Saquon Barkley being only a fourth-round pick per Dan Duggan, which team do you think would be the best fit for him? Love the content. Stay safe. Um, why would you trade Saquon Barkley? He's on a rookie contract. Yeah, he's injured. Uh, but that means like, his trade value is super low. Like, you're going to get rid of a good player for nothing? A fourth-round pick for Saquon Barkley? Why would you do that? I don't, I don't think the Giants should trade him away. Um, he's still very talented. I would keep him. You, you got an awesome offensive head coach coming in who can probably get the most out of Saquon Barkley. If you did trade him, I'd love to see him go to either the 49ers or the Dolphins. The Dolphins are trying to run the ball really well. The 49ers do run the ball really well. Uh, you know, 49ers and Dolphins are my number one destinations if he does get traded. But why would you trade him if you're the New York Giants? He's a great player who's worth nothing on the trade market. So hang on to Saquon. Do really well with him. And, um, I mean, maybe you trade him at the trade deadline if something's going wrong next year, I guess. But what do you get out of You get nothing in return for Saquon Barkley. Why would you get rid of him? Just use him and... Hopefully he does really well next year in your offense. So I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why. Uh, Trevor, I, I love you, man. I appreciate you, but I don't understand the question. Like, if he's worth a fourth-round pick, why in the world would you get rid of him? If he's worth a first-round pick, then yeah, get, you, you get some value there. Get, you know, get something for a player who may or may not get injured. But if he's maybe injured but not worth anything, why would you get rid of him at all? Just hopefully he does well and hopefully he stays healthy. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, I got a voicemail. Who, who sent this to me? Osceola, Georgia. Probably one of those spam. I get so many spam voicemails. It's so ridiculous. Um, anyway, guys, I love you. It's actually about my student loans, which is great. I do have student loans. That's not fun. Uh, start paying in April, which is going to be <laughs> great. Anyway, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum-bam, we are done.